Alright, here we go. Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. I got a big problem. Let's go on down. There you go. Yeah. Oh, the, plane, the plane's still rocking. You must have come near a weather balloon. Don't shoot it yeah. down. All right. Bruce, uh, there there is many unhappy fans on the internet tonight, and there's mm-hmm. two kind of unhappy fans here as well. The Oilers blow a four to one lead and five four in the shootout to the New York Rangers. We will do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. What is your? Let's start with the good things, Bruce. Let's try to start yeah. with some two sure. good thing. Yeah, I will go with the uh, uh, the. Two nothing goal for the Oilers scored by Tyler uh, Tyson Barry on what I saw as a tremendous five man virtuous cycle in the offensive zone with all of uh, of uh, Barry his partner Brett Kulak and the forward line of Ryan McLeod with uh, Matthias Janmark and Warren Fogel and they had. Uh, um, uh, they made two great thrusts on that. They had the puck in Rangers zone for, for 30 seconds leading to the goal. I went through the whole sequence three or four times. And uh, uh, the first cycle uh, ended with uh, some, some very good work by Fogel along the sidewall uh, to dump it to... Uh, uh, Janmark behind the net, and he made a crisp pass out in front to Ryan McLeod, who seemed to have Igor Shesterkin at his mercy, only to lob the puck right over the crossbar. And thankfully, it didn't go out of play, and it stayed in in uh, in play. And Rangers tried to break it out on their defensive right wing, and Kulak aggressively came up the boards to uh, uh, win the puck in the pinch. Uh, he got it down to Janmark in the corner. Both uh, McLeod and Fogel went to the front of the net, and Janmark made a second crisp pass in a row uh, that he sifted right out to Fogel, right on the edge of the blue paint, and he hammered a shot from close range that uh, Shesterkin got a blocker on. Uh, but the rebound bounced out into the low slot, and because all the Rangers were pulled right back towards their own goal line by the pressing Oilers, Barry had all kinds of space to come in and collect the puck and fire a perfect shot top corner. And I, I just thought that whole sequence, other than McLeod missing the net, which meant they had to do it a second time to get their goal. But really, it was uh, textbook hockey. It was a nice goal, Bruce. Um, Matthias Janmark made a couple of nice passes um, in, the, in, those, in that whole sequence of, of uh, joy. Sure did. The virtuous cycle, as you you as we call it, and um, that was one of the best virtuous, most virtuous cycles we saw all season long. Bruce, my uh, good thing are the power play goals, and they were both, you know, just just the kind of spectacular plays on the power play that has this historic power play uh, scoring at such a high clip. The first one, Drysaddle wins a puck. Um, and puts wins a puck on the boards and then puts it back down to McDavid over to Nugent Hopkins who sifts it into Hyman. Hyman gets two 
monster chances in front of the net and the the rebound goes to Nuju who puts it in. I mean, this power play is what a joy to behold it is. These the skilled players, you know, they're, and their 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 point scoring really reflects. They're just having all career seasons. Maybe not Drysaitel is the only one who might not be having a career season in terms of points. He might he's coming he's close, close though. He's he's close. And um, Hyman and Nuge are you know we've I've remarked on this before how unusual it is for players at their age, 29 and 30, to have career years, but they're both doing it and. You know, I was I was remarking to my wife actually that at even strength, Zach Hyman may be their best performer this year. He's got he's, the most points. He is just crushing it. He he's strong defensively and he's he's a monster on the attack. He is he how he was not in the All Star game is one of the great mysteries. Like he should be on the he should be on the All Star team this year in the NHL. Like he's got a chance of being on an All Star team. I'd have to look at the other wingers. But he he should be on the running just because he's a, a, of his physical and defensive play as well. He's a two-way player and he's crushing it. The next one was all you know. McDavid made a nice uh, low high pass, as I call it, from behind the net out to the high slot. It got tipped a little bit though. But Leon's shot was was absolutely brilliant. And if you watch Leon on this play, his eyes are up the whole time. He sees that spot. He sees the mesh. He sees where he's got to shoot it to score. And he just drives that puck right into that spot. And there's no stopping it. There's no stopping Leon's shot when you give him that kind of time. Of course, on the penalty, on the shootout, he kind of had that kind of time. But it's a little bit different say, situation. Where was that shot in the shootout? Well, yeah. Like, um, anyway, that's, that's a different issue. It was... In a game where Leon is going to take a lot of criticism, he's already taking criticism for his defensive play. That criticism is justified. That was a brilliant bit of skill, and it's why Leon Dreisettle is one of the best players in the world on the attack. Yeah, that, it wasn't the executioner's shot that we saw last game and that the pass was deflected, so the timing of the play should have been messed up. And yet he was still able to pounce on it and just bam, right inside the far post, hit the Sackick spot, you know, just sort of yeah. one net cord inside the right post, uh, stick side post, and uh, uh, maybe a little higher than the Sackick spot, close to halfway up the net, but uh, just perfectly placed. And so, and the power play, of course, was also out there for another goal, David. But unfortunately, the other team got that one. So. <laughs> That was a critical mistake with a four-run uh, lead, the power gosh. play to get burned like that. It really was. You're leading the game and you let that happen to you. Like, oh, God. Okay, Bruce, is that your bad thing or you want to go nope. with that? Or what is nope. your bad thing? Uh, my bad thing, and I'm going to single out today Ken Holland for my bad thing. Uh, he, after weeks of hemming and hawing whether and when to bring back Kyler Yamamoto, and knowing he had a couple of options of how he could do it, uh, he uh, decided to bring him back tonight against the Rangers. Well, I don't disagree with the idea that Yamamoto should have brought an injection of, uh, of um, two-way acumen to the Oilers' second line, which was kind of desperately needing it. Uh, the fact is that the solution that Holland chose was to drop two players down to the minor leagues and cut his roster to 20 players. So 20 players, no margin for error. He did that this morning, David. This afternoon, apparently, 
one of his players uh, that was left, Clean Costin, came down with a flu bug. Well, guess what? Surprise, surprise. The whole team has been riddled with flu for ages. Why would he be making this move now? And that's my beef. Like, hold Yamamoto out another game or two. So at least you have one spare player. They always had to play this entire game of player short, and it showed. Couldn't I they recall? They looked, I thought they looked tired in the third period. I really did. did. Did they actually send those guys to the minors? I thought they would hang around at Edmonton. Did well, they, 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 the they, ass, just they, ass, the they assigned them to the minors. Where they actually go between now and, I you know, I don't know. Like, but couldn't call, you just recall? I guess they have. They can't have to recall wait. them because there's oh, no just, cap space. There's no cap space, yeah. Because they okay. put Yamamoto's 3.1 million uh, on the roster. And in the end, Yamamoto's presence, basically, I mean, they lost... Um, possibility of DeHarnio, I think they really could have used in this game, to be quite honest. And Holloway, and, you know, when Costin got hurt, I mean, or got sick, I guess it is. And I I just question the timing. Why would you go with a 20-man roster at a time that the flu bug is rippling through your team? I mean, we've heard it game after game. Players missing the game because of flu. Players missing practice because of flu. Players, you know, the game time decisions, so on and so on. Now, oh, this is a good time to go to a 20-man roster then. Well, it actually wasn't, Ken. And this is why, and, and I, I think Holland gets a lot of bad raps for some sort of little smart things that he does around the edges. This wasn't one of them, so... Bruce, I, I really agree, and and it's for a slightly different reason. I just think the Oilers need Vincent DeHarnay in the lineup right now. He he has been uh, he's been a you know the difference maker on the PK since he's been in the lineup. He's played very well. He uh, stops a lot of stuff in front of the net. He takes up a lot of space on his side of the ice, so they can't operate. The other team just has a much more difficult time with that big seaweed monster operating there getting through to the net and they really have missed him the last two games. And I understand the, the, the previous game was he was sick himself and maybe he's still sick. So I, I, I don't know about that. Maybe he was not even available to, to play in this game. And uh, maybe that's why such a move was made, but man, they missed him, Bruce. And uh, I agree. Like they got to figure this out. They got to do something because they need Vincent DeHarnay in the lineup. And it's as simple as that. He is a key member of this team. He gives this defense something that it is otherwise lacking, which is a big, tough physical presence in front of the net on the right side. Um, you know, Darnell Nurse provides that on the left side, but they could really use Vincent DeHarnay and and they've missed him. My bad thing, Bruce, is this, this game starts to get out of hand, I feel, in the final minutes of the second period. And the Oilers, um, through the second period, they had given up... Um, Let me just see here. They gave up the a shorthanded goal in the second, early yes. in the second, or yes. yeah, late, early in the second. So that's a bad moment. Early in the second, you have a four-one lead and you give up a shorthanded goal. So you can't have any more defensive breakdowns. But you have a two-goal lead heading into the third period as the, as the clock's winding down, and um, with two and a half minutes left. So in the in these final three minutes. There's two absolutely terrible shifts by the Oilers that lead to five alarm shots for the New York Rangers. And it's just, it's really, it's a lack of effort. It's a lack of focus. It's a lack of intensity on defense. And really, it's not excusable. Uh, at this point of the season, you're up, you're up at this point. 
four to two. You want to get to the third period with a two goal lead, which they did. But man, it, it was Thanks Jack to Campbell had to. He, he, you know, the one play, um, uh, Chattel or Chittle or Heidel or whatever his name is. Heidel. Heidel, not Shafid. Um, his, his, uh, his, his um, shot. He, how did he miss that shot? He hit him right in the face. And what was the next? Okay. The, but anyway, the, up, yeah. The, yeah, the first one, um, the first one, it's uh, McLeod's line is out there. He's out there with Derek Ryan. And Derek Ryan, through this play, the, the, the New York Rangers are cycling around, and Derek Ryan is in the F1 spot. He's playing center. And the orders just get discombobulated at one point, and Ryan shifts out. He shifts away from his spot, and, it, and he kind of tries to cover down low when he really doesn't have to do that. And um, he gets everything gets out of sync because of that. And there's a pass across the top of the of the um, slot area, and um, then um, McLeod and Cece are unable to cut the pass, a diagonal pass down low beside the crease where there's an absolutely is that the is that the um, Heidel shot on this one? I can't remember. Anyway, there's there a, there's a barrage, a, David. It's hard to remember. Yeah, there was one great glove save, and there was a title shot. So one, it's one or the other. Anyway, there's a great shot right from in close, and Campbell makes a spectacular save. The next one, the Oilers kind of have they have possession of the puck, and it's being advanced out of their zone, and Yamamoto tries a little tip to Leon Draisaitl, who goes charging up the ice, and the puck doesn't get out, and Yamamoto. And Cece and Nurse are down low, but there's four Rangers with them attacking. And Leon, who's flown by the play, might be excusable to do that. He doesn't move. He just stops and watches from then on in. And as the Rangers go in and get another five-alarm shot, and Kane tries to recover, and he doesn't do it. The Rangers, uh, Nurse and um, Yamamoto are unable to cut out the pass. Cece's unable to cut out a pass, and the Rangers get another five-alarm shot at the, right in front of the net. And it's just not acceptable to have these kind of defensive mistakes, Leon's got to get back or not fly by. And the other guys, you know, they they lost their, each of them lost their battles as well on that play. And it, it really, to give up two five-alarm chances in the final minutes of the second period when you have that kind of lead, what's going on with this team? Mm-hmm. Why are they doing that? Like, I understand it's, it's going to happen now and then, and I wouldn't mention this if it wasn't kind of the narrative of the season, if we hadn't seen this repeatedly, this kind of defensive malfeasance um, when they've got a lead. And it, I was just worried the whole third period when Leon's when Leon's line was out there, and, and it, his line in the end didn't turn out to be the line that, uh, that got beat. It was McLeod's line when they were out there, when he was out there. But he's got to do better. His line's got to do better. Yamamoto... Yamamoto came back, and usually he's a solid glue player on that line. He will fill in for the other players on defense. Mm-hmm. He was he was discombobulated tonight. He did not have a good game. He wasn't filling, and he was he was he was actually playing a pretty aggressive offensive game, and you know trying to get involved there. I guess he's trying to get inside their equipment. You know, the, he's hearing from the coaches, you know, aggressively forecheck, but he's really at his best when he's doing that, but also covering the defensive slot, and he does that a lot with Leon, which is why I think one of the reasons Leon likes to play with him. Yamamoto's a smart defensive hockey player. Not tonight, though. No. And Kane has not been playing well defensively uh, since in the last few games either. So if right. this is going to be a line... Not since he's been back. I mean, 
the McDavid line with Hyman and Nugent Hopkins was dangerous all night. It is a fantastic line. But this line, if it's going to be a second line, these all three of them have got to get together and, and decide we are we are not going to play that way. We're going to play smart, sound, fundamental, focused, intense, defensive hockey, and they're not going to get five alarm shots when we're out on the ice. Your number. Yeah, I'm tempted to go right to seven after my six overtime losses in a row last game, but it's so recent <laughs> yeah. people probably still remember it, at least regular listeners, and thanks for listening. So I won't say seven, even though it's burning at me that this should never happen to this team. I saw someone on Twitter say they should have a practice tomorrow and do nothing but shootouts for the entire practice because they have not been good at them. Uh, my Here's my number. I just found it, and it's two. And two is the number of shots that Edmonton Oilers got on net uh, during 15 minutes and eight seconds that Connor McDavid was on the ice at even strength. Two shots. I got a shot 5-2. And I'm not saying McDavid had a bad game. I'm just saying that line did not penetrate. The Rangers just did whatever to keep them on the outside. They had eight, eight shot attempts, nine shot attempts to ten. Uh, but four, three of them were blocked and four of them missed the net, two of them. And this is, you know, when McDavid's on the light, ice. So this is his whole line. And usually they're driving the orders at even strength. And this was a game, even in the first period when it was 4-1, I said prophetically to my wife, four is not going to be enough to win this game. They still need to keep it coming. And the offense kind of, they had a couple of little nice bursts in the second period. And then the third period, it was like, where is it? And uh, then they came on in the overtime. Of course, that's not five on five. This is five on five, strictly three on three. They had some good chances, and uh, Jacob Truba got very lucky with the stick a couple times in the overtime. And uh, Shesterkin, that was the key decision in this game was Gerard Gallant deciding not to pull Shesterkin after a four-goal first period. So yeah. And he was pretty much fantastic the rest of the game. But, I mean, fantastic against, I mean, the Rangers certainly carried the flow of play. And Jack Campbell had to be more fantastic than Shesterkin in terms of sensational saves in this game. So McDavid was, was in, he made a major contribution to 10 grade A shots. But mm-hmm. six of those were on the power play and two mm-hmm. of those were in overtime. So right. he just had two major contributions to grade A shots. Mm-hmm. Well, they only so had, they two, only had shots. two shots. They both were <laughs> at least they were both grade A shots, which is which okay. is not bad. I mean, there's something to be said okay. about that. But um, and McDavid also had a bad line change with like three minutes left. Nuge uh, go off the ice, and it's like a mm-hmm. odd man rush for the uh, and and Leon came on the ice. That mm-hmm. wasn't Leon's fault coming on late, and because he he couldn't come out before then, and the the Rangers had a had a grade a shot right then so it's mm-hmm. it's uh david did make a fantastic defensive play in this game uh where he came back and stripped a puck uh off of a, off a guy some of the forwards had individual yeah, he defensive did. plays but the defensive structure leaves me a little a little cold you know and this is now since the orders had 17 games of 12 out of 17 with two goals or fewer. They played four games and they've given in 17 goals, three, six, four, and four. And that's not counting the shootout goals because they're not goals. Well, my number, Bruce, I was going to, I was going to give the shot shares of the dry settle line tonight, but I think I've said enough. 
just you can accept that the dry settle shot three, chair. four, and thirteen against. You don't think that's good? But I'm not going to have it as my number. Yeah, oh, okay. I don't. I didn't think that was good. I just slipped it in as your number for you. Sweet, thanks. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, my number is five fifty-five. So as bad as the Oilers, like the Oilers have not been great in the last five games in terms, of, you know, they've been leaking points, they, you know, giving up points that they should have won and giving up games that they should have won, and it may come back to haunt them. Uh, but at least they have a 598 winning percentage, Bruce. So in the wild card race, um, the Oilers at 598 winning percentage, and that gives mm-hmm. them 67 points. Fortunately, mm-hmm. the Flames have been worse this year, and they've been one of the real disappointing teams in the NHL. There is five, 555. Yeah, for, for Flames. <laughs> 555 winning percentage, and they okay. have 61 points. And that's and um, with 11 loser points, the Oilers only have seven loser points. So the orders have 67 points, the Flames 61. The Flames are within striking distance of Edmonton. They have a game in hand. But they don't show really any serious signs yet of turning things around. And I, I guess um, Jonathan Huberdeau's agent, um, what's that guy's name? Watt? I think his name. They, what's the uh, controversial? Oh, Walsh. Alan Walsh. Alan Walsh. Put out a tweet. Put out a tweet <laughs> criticizing the Flames uh uh, effort and the negativity around the team. So hopefully they're going to go into full meltdown. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But the owners are lucky in that even though they haven't been getting all the points that are on the table, um, they, they're they doing well enough to stay ahead of uh, Calgary. So in the wild card race, the only team, like Nashville's at 538. So they're really not that likely going to catch um, the Oilers. They're 11 points behind the Oilers, with, but they do have four games in hand. Um, so it looks like if anyone team's going to catch Calgary, it's going to be, or Edmonton, it's going to be Calgary. And, There's only really nine teams there at the moment by my count. It's Yeah, I agree, Bruce. So. It's looking good for the Oilers making the playoffs, but they've got to, they got to get DeHarney back in the lineup. I don't know what they're thinking. Like, he was playing so well, and... Um, I know he's just the seventh defenseman, but sometimes that def- seventh defenseman, if he's if he's doing something really really important that no one else can do, that's an important player mm-hmm. on here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he has uh, been a big surprise, and he's taken some of the load off of some of the uh, other right defensemen. Yeah. Um, in order third pairing tonight, they were on the run a little bit. Oh, it's it was such an odd game. And, sure and was. There was some. Some good moments for these guys as well. Evan Bouchard with a couple of really great nifty passes. And Broberg with a terrific defensive play where he stopped a guy trying to go around him and then took him right into the net, took the net off. Uh, you know, was, these guys show flashes, but uh, Rangers had him under the gun a little bit. They seem to be playing pretty tough competition. I mean, the Rangers mm-hmm. have tough competition, yeah. right? Because they've got three good lines, so. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no hiding out on that ice. Uh, I noticed Broberg and uh, Bouchard against like Panarin a few times. So that's that's you got your hands full when you're up against yeah. Artemi. What a, what is what fantastic player he is. The Rangers are a fantastic team. I actually quite like this team. They're full of mm-hmm. full of skill, as you yep. can see from their shootout lineup, right? Like they. Just I like them for the cup, Dave, and I do. I think this team's got a real shot. Yeah. When I say like. I just mean I I, I, yeah. I see they got a real shot at it. And and there are players, Adam Fox, a terrific player. 
you know, they added Tarasenko just if they need another sniper. I mean, we saw Chris Kreider tonight and, uh, you know, scoring on the power play and shorthanded and driving the net all night. And uh seemed like every time New York got the puck in their own end, there'd be one pass out to center and it would either be hitting, you know, typically it'd be Panarin on the sidewall getting this pass and coming in on, you know, with options. And they they really uh, move the puck with uh, purpose and authority when they when they do get it, and they, you know they're quick on the counterattack. And they showed that a few times, uh, including that shorty, of course. So yeah. So back to those shot shares for a minute. So what what we what we've arrived at here is that because McDavid and Drysaddle, I don't think they played together tonight at all, five on five. Sixteen minutes for Leon. The Oilers had three shots. Fifteen minutes for uh, Connor. The orders had two shots, so that, that's a, half the game. With one or the other of their of their superstars on the ice, the order had five total shots on net in that half of the game, five on five part of the game, and that's uh, that's not good. And then the Ryan McLeod, he had t- the orders were on for ten shots in his uh, fourteen minutes, so that's where the majority of their shots and and one of their even strength goals came from. Of course, was that line McLeod, you know. He may be seven, the most seven shot attempts, four shots, two hits, two takeaways, ten and three on the faceoff dot tonight. Ryan McLeod. Now that's a good game. He may be the most underrated oiler this year, Statistically, Bruce. Statistically, like, that's a good game. Yeah, I think he's he's played tremendously. And um, you know, when you look at the number of grade A shots he creates as opposed to what he gives up, major mistakes. It's, he's got a fantastic ratio, and. Um, he is a very good player. I think, you know, I don't think they need a third line center going into the playoffs. It's not their their number one need. I don't know what it is. I mean, that's we won't even talk about that right now. But um he's been playing very well. And um mm-hmm. that line played very well. That was a good line. So Yeah. I mean a five on five. The power play scored two of the goals. And the five on five goals came from Barry, which was the McLeod line. And then the other one was the uh, Derek Ryan goal, his yeah. tenth tenth of the year, from Hyman and Pugliarvi. And uh, anyway, I won't be surprised if tomorrow morning we find that they decide that Pugliarvi is on waivers because they decide they need those that extra body around. So maybe maybe you know getting burned and having to play a man short the very first game, the very same day. That they sent the two guys out, they had to go shorthanded. That maybe Holland will take a different path. We'll see. It's interesting. What's it's hard to know what's going on with Pulley Like, does he? Do they not want to put him on waivers in case he doesn't get claimed? Do they not want to see have everyone see that he does, has no value in a trade? Is that it? Or are they afraid of losing him because they, they you know he's good forward depth and if you if you can keep him, you know all the better. Um, it's just a, it's a mystery what's what's going mm-hmm. on with this player. It's been an, and um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either, Bruce, because I do I I think they need to get DeHarnay back in the lineup and um, Holloway's been playing well also. So I don't. It's not that I don't like Yesapoliarvi and I wish him well, but I, I think he's better off in another city and it's maybe sure it's got just the not, yips around the net. It's just unreal. He had another great chance tonight and just kind of muffed it wide and. Was that deflected by someone's stick, though, maybe? Like uh, the, the stick got in there, but I don't think it ever touched the puck, but it may have distracted him. 
Yeah, he shows no sign of breaking out of his goal scoring slump. I think it's safe to say. I mean, he did have that one really nice goal last mm-hmm. week. So yes. he might that as a sign, but yeah. It just in tight to the net. It's like it's you know, that's where he should be getting the majority of his goals and he's just got nothing in there. And I, yeah. I have no explanation. Like I just uh, Yeah. With Costin and Holloway and Yanmark playing well and Yamamoto back. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see the I'd like to see Holloway get a little bit more of a chance in the top nine. Um, this season. Yeah, a lot of people down. say that. So. Flash has a lot of skill. He hits. If he can hold mm-hmm. his own defensively, he, can, he might be able to help the order. So, well, Bruce, let's. Very dynamic let's, player for sure, and I, I think good days lie ahead. I'm just not sure they're necessarily in the current season. With young forwards, I mean, I just think they they can break out at any time, right? It's a matter of confidence in a way. Like it's it's he's a winger, so there's mm-hmm. not a lot of it's just. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Bruce, let's leave it there. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.